spirituality, consciousness, health, and mindset. Welcome to the Ascend Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Hopper. And I'm Dan Harrison. Together, we are all wisdom and knowledge. Hey, what is up everyone? This week on the Ascend podcast, me and Chris decided it was time to record another Observing Our Thoughts. And after the first Observing Our Thoughts, we, we had such a fantastic response. And it was so cool that a lot of you reached out to us to let us know that you loved that style of us rambling on and sort of dissecting certain thoughts and concepts that are on our minds. And that's what Observing Our Thoughts episodes are all about. Me and Chris just getting together, sort of diving deep, talking out our asses, and just exploring some really far out there topics while also hopefully giving you some entertainment, some laughs, and some perspective at the same time. And I don't know about you, but I'm somebody who every single day I'm constantly having this inner dialogue that's going on upstairs in my mind. My mind is constantly having new ideas, new thoughts. And I was actually thinking about this, the mind is such a gift, the ability just to even be able to have these sort of multiple inner dialogues, inner perspectives, inner journeys, inner stories or inner movies playing in our minds, whatever you want to call them, and the ability that we have to even tap into them and learn from them is incredible. But on the other side of the coin as well, I sometimes actually think about this, and if every where you went in your life, there was actually someone who talks to you as much as your own mind talks to you, you wouldn't sit with that person for very long. Imagine just sitting down watch, trying to watch a film and someone's trying to constantly talk to you every second through that film. You would turn around to the person and say, shut the hell up. So it's just very interesting how we have this unique dilemma of the mind and this inner dialogue that is with us all the time. And like Alan Watts also says, Alan Watts says the mind is like a monkey constantly jumping up and down. And it is so true it is. But sometimes as well I think about this, thoughts to me can sometimes seem like a river. So we have these thoughts that are constantly sort of thrown through our minds like a river all the time. And through my journey I've actually learned that when you do sit beside a river and you learn how to actually see that each individual ripple ripple in that river can actually offer something completely different and then you realise how that example of the river can also be transitioned over to the mind and it's also the same for the mind that each different ripple of thought that we actually do have can create or unlock a new awareness within us and I'll actually like the concept of a guy called um, he's called I probably butcher this name but I think he's called John Kin or or John Zinn, but he says that no matter how much you sort of understand meditation to sort of banish or get rid of your thoughts, he says your thoughts will never go away and he says that's why we need to actually try working with our thoughts and observe them like a scientist. And I loved how he said observe your thoughts like a scientist. Really rings so true through. And I think most of us actually, and I think I think actually most of our thoughts are actually sort of kind of can be mundane and sort of can be imprisoning to a certain degree but thinking actually drives imagination it drives creativity so maybe we need to just create a bigger arena for our thoughts and watch how they not only can be self-destructive but also how they can inform us 
in our lives. So what I'm saying is, is just think about how you can actually work with your thoughts. And like John says, become the scientist of them. So anyway, just before we jump this one, I just want to say thanks so much to all the incredible people over at Patreon who have decided to support the podcast. It really means a lot to us. And for anyone who hasn't yet just decided to become a Patreon member, and if you can, it would be so amazing if you could just consider joining the Patreon community and support the podcast. It really means a lot to us, and it will help us take this podcast to the next level. And when you do become a Patreon member by donating whatever amount each month that you can, even if it's only $2 a month, you will gain access to bonus content that is only available to Patreon subscribers. And if you do think about it, $2 a month is the price of buying a cup of coffee once a month, which is absolutely nothing. And on that Patreon page as well, we're constantly going to keep adding new bonuses and rants every single week. And we have some great content lined up to add to that Patreon page as well. So basically, we're going to make that Patreon page the place for you guys who do want to go to get that bit more from the podcast. If this does tickle your fancy, all you need to do is go to the send Patreon page and sign up for any tier and gain access to all the bonus content and other rewards. So anyway, I just want to also say as well that coming up on this podcast, which we're really excited about, if all goes to plan, me and Chris are heading down to a conscious festival and are going to be recording quite a few in-person podcasts and also in the future we have other in-person podcasts coming up as we really want to take this podcast to the next level and really add the element of that in-person conversation, which I really do think does add that element so that's to look forward to in the future but anyway without further ado let's jump this one observing our thoughts enjoy so another episode of observing our thoughts definitely and I, I love these conversations and it's quite I think it's quite funny that when we do we, we've been we did the last observing our thoughts that we don't even uh, half the time we don't even get to the points that we want to even talk about <laughs> yeah I, I think know. that's a good thing about it though because it, it allows it just to jump all over the place and it actually pulls out thoughts that are deep-seated in our mind somewhere else that's true that man brother I mean like we have 70,000 thoughts per day so wherever they go let's find out yeah 70,000 thoughts you know, when you said that 70,000 thoughts, it actually, it makes me think of a, um, like a, you know, like a neural c- circuit in your mind, just like f- sort of fire and wiring connections all of, all, of, all of your body. Yeah, sort like of the like, most ingrained, beautiful computer ever made. Do you ever, do you ever, when you, when you, you know, when you said that there, 70,000 thoughts? Yeah. How, how many is, how, how many, because you've taught me before, how many is it a minute, is it? Um, works out about 40 thoughts per minute. 40 thoughts per minute. Just uh, do you ever like just pinch yourself though and think like that capability of the human body just firing connecting? I I've, I've been doing this thing lately, right? Where I'll actually so you, if you put put your hand out in front of your arm, right? Put your hand out in front of your hand now and just say so you middle you know like the middle index finger, mm-hmm. and just say it yourself now, move and mm-hmm. move it. How quick? But the ability to, to move that finger so that that thought is that to go all the way through like so it's like a like a neural circuit in your mind now goes all the way from your mind, boom, to your body. But it's so fast that you don't even you don't even comprehend the gaps in between to do that. That is the absolute power of evolution in my eyes, Dan. That's the power of what the universe has actually created. 
So we went to the point where we can actually instinctively move our fingers to however we want. That is the ultimate there. We don't need, like, a simulation. If this is, like, the pinnacle of humans right now, then it's perfect. It's perfect in every way. So you with that with that being said as well, do you think do you think ah, this, is, this is a question out there, right? But do you think could, can we develop it? Can we develop a, a, an AI that can do that? Can we develop an AI that can instantaneously have that that connection and thought right Tr- in your body? Truthfully, but I don't think we can. Do you? I don't think we can get to a point where like a, a robot or an autom- automation or an AI artificial intelligence can actually get to the point where they can actually understand this whole whole essence of being human just like a human can I don't think it's possible See, I, I don't I don't know but I, I think I think it may be a possibility because I think here's an example I know that I can go on my laptop now and I can type in a word and it'll find it straight away or I can send a command to somewhere on my laptop and it'll send it'll make something happen on my laptop mm. so I'm actually thinking that what if that that is just a sort of uh any sort of like mechanical sort of situation we so we're thinking yeah. so we think that 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 ability to sort of send a, a neuron a fire a neuron to our finger it's so spiritual it's so beautiful it's it this could never ever happen this can never be replicated yeah but can that be replicated see what i think like the think man dan when you use the reference of the computer that's mint analogy by the way and you actually said at the point where you give the computer a command and it follows it and it gives you like so much data information in the split of a second but I think as well, though, Dan, the thing is that you're giving that computer data, whereas I think your brain itself, it just creates thoughts rapidly from wherever it can. And we are, we could be put in a, like, a white room with no actually external thoughts from whatever, and our thoughts would still be coming to us. You know what I mean? That's you why might I, be able to do that for a computer, though. I don't think, I don't think th- like, computers, you can program a computer to do anything, but... Our creative imagination is something else, which I don't think can ever be programmed. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it can. I don't. We don't even. I don't even. We don't even know what consciousness is. We don't even know. We don't even know what the imagination really is. We don't even know where our thoughts are coming from. It's so <laughs> powerful. <man. laughs> you know what I mean? Them tangents are crazy, crazy, aren't they? It just shows you like what is the next level for human evolution? Like, are we meant to merge with the computers? Are we going to get the computers, like? strict powerful incredible machine like knowledge in one or are we actually gonna like get the computers like just like a complete bleak outlook on life and it's like we now make decisions based on like optimal performance stuff like that yeah here's a question from that do you think in the i mean what do you how do you envision the future i mean i know you can't fully envision it but what do you think in an interesting talking point anyway do you think in the future that it'll be actually... So we know now that there's a lot of sort of... Like a lot of people sort of are, are bringing forward the, the technology of meditation and how our thoughts can be connected sort of... Yeah. Like interconnected medita- like via meditation or through psychedelics or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Do you think the future is going to be that area or do you think that the future is going to actually be interconnected through technology? No, I think you're going to be able to download the Ayahuasca 101 experience just <laughs> by pressing an app on your phone and you're automatically integrated in your, in your mind. So then, that's, so, that, so then that means that them two worlds are going to actually be in, integrated together. That's how I believe but the future. But do, uh, do, do you think that? Yeah, I think I that really could do. Be the, I think that could be the possibility where we're going to see... Um, I think that's going to how you're going to be able to be taught in school. You're going to have learned languages that way. Like... Every single like fiber of your being is going to be run through a computer. Just imagine, right? And um, so instead of 
So, so look, look at this, right? Try and analyze this. So, people went to school, went to university for like five years to gain all that insight, and knowledge, in, to get a degree. Yeah. But that took five years to do that. But what's interesting to me now, I know that, and even now, and that hasn't been that lot long, many years ago, that now he can actually go on a podcast. And you could probably download maybe about five or six podcasts in certain situations or whatever topic it is, whether it's geography, human anatomy, whatever it is. Mm. And in five hours, you can actually dissect all that knowledge that you took over five years to be educated in a class. So, so I'm asking the question, what can we do in another 10 years, another 50 years? How much information can be dissected in our, in our brains? Truthfully, when I Imagine think... just pressing the button, zoop, and then you just get all, all the information, yeah. just like a pill, just like... Zoop. Yeah, like <laughs> learn France. <laughs> learn France. Learn, France. <laughs> <laughs> learn the history of France in like less than like one minute. <laughs> and I, it just gets sucked though, in your brain. Learn French. And you're just like... Zoop. And it's like, hello, you may be Yeah, I, I don't think that's... Bonjour. Why? Why can that not be done? Why is someone like not actually working on that right now? The problems are though. I think people are working on that. Have you have you not seen that device where um, it was incredible? This device. I don't know if you've seen it. it was on Facebook, right? So they've got a device now, and I, I don't even ask. Don't ask us how it works because I have not got a clue. So how does it work? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it's a device where say if you go to another country, I think it was in they used it in Japan. I think it was. So it was an English speaker. English female in Japan, and she went yeah. walk through a busy town center. You might—I don't know if you've seen this. We walk through a busy town center, and there uh, she spoke into it in English, and then she put it towards the the two Japanese girls, and it, the device spoke spoke exactly what she said, but in Japanese. Wow, uh, it's just powerful, right there. I, man, I really. mean, imagine in the future though, how many? I, I was actually thinking how many boundaries are going to actually be changed because of that in the world. So, like, just f- through sort of. Um, Ability to understand what someone's saying better in a, in a better language when it, when humans because we know now humans are moving all over the planet now yeah like people are interacting all over the place so I think that's going to be so positive for the world when people can actually communicate on like deeper levels that's like devices like that in your hand you just have a, imagine you just you go to just go to a shop and you can buy that for like for one dollar you've got a device <laughs> in your hand right now that can actually do that man brother your your phone itself is so powerful beyond any measure I mean like. I can record something right now on my phone and it'll stay there for however long it want. I can record thousands of hours of podcasts. I can ring people from all the way around the world who are on like like a number which flows through the air and actually picks up the signal to someone else's number. And I can speak to that person right there, live time. This is the power of now, man. And we keep forgetting about this beautiful power that we have in front of us right in our hands. Here's a bit of a different question. So you know what you were saying there about how data is flying above our head? So, like, when you get, I text you now, if I text you now, even though we're sitting right next to each other, the date will do whatever it does. It'll go in the, this invisible cloud that's above our heads and transfer it to your, go to your phone, your phone will go blip, and then you'll read it. But here's something, right? Like, we started this off observing our thoughts. You said about how we'll have 70,000 thoughts. Mm-hmm. Do you think that them thoughts are actually also going somewhere in the air? On some level that we don't understand, and that's deep. In the air I don't. Or... I, I don't know. <laughs> Are they actually being tr- transcended through space and time right now? So I'm having. I'm thinking of something now in my head, but is that thought actually just staying in my mind, or is that thought actually bouncing around the room now? I think it's going to the point in the in the mind, the vastness of the mind. I think it's eternal. The mind. I really do. I think it's. I think it goes beyond any limitation that any human can set. It's set on it. I mean, we can pull out data from so many different levels of here's... our mind. 
and I think it's just like the massive the storage capability in the brain that's what I'm saying we like, don't is like every single computer that's what I'm saying we don't understand connected. so people say, people say now that how I think it was Ray Kurzweil he makes an assumption saying that even the most sophisticated laptop on the planet now is still five time, five million times less smarter than the human mind. So we know that with a laptop or a mobile phone, you can store data in a cloud somewhere. Yeah. Like whatever that cloud is, wherever it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can store the data, but can we... Do we have... If we're more sophisticated than that, and when we're talking before about can an AI be actually become us, we're talking about can an AI become us, even though we know how complicated computers are now. I'm asking the question: Are our thoughts already what we don't know? Maybe we'll get some. That maybe that I'll be the evolution. We might have some technology that understands this a bit more. But this also ties into uh, what Evan Lazanzo was saying about how he believes that maybe all our all our thoughts are actually somewhere. And he talks about you. He uses a word, calls it the Akashic records. So maybe there's. And he says maybe there's some sort of whatever he uses. Maybe some universal consciousness or universal universal sort of dimension or whatever it is that actually holds all the holds all your thoughts of so all time would I have this like this Akashic Records um, Akashic Records because I haven't really looked into it um, is it what is it is it so is it a, like um, describe it to us Dan is it? so so basically the, so the way Evan Lazanzo many people describe the Akashic Records differently so the Australian Aborigines, they used to talk about the... They used to call it... There's many names for it. So they call, the Australian Aborigines used to call it the holographic universe. Mm-hmm. So they used to say that um, it was basically a holographic universe where when they go and sort of alter states of consciousness, they, their sort of psyche or whatever, or their consciousness can be bridged over to a different reality or a different world, whatever you want to call it, and where they can access this information that's always there, wherever the information that always is, yeah. whether it's inside or outside of us, I don't know. Like Dennis McKenna says, there's no inside, there's no outside, so wherever that is. <laughs> but Irvin Lazanzo talks about... That's a real question. He uses the word Akashic Records, where he says there's some sort of universal sort of... Like sort of like on your mobile phone, there's a universal cloud that's, that houses all information. Or yeah, you don't see it, but you know it's there. Houses every thought that's ever been ever happened on this planet that can be accessible. Like all information that... To each and every individual. I think he talks about how every information that that of past and then maybe even future so each and every individual has access to this akashic records and maybe that's but maybe that's what when people get in a when people well people talk about so here's this go, go a bit further so when people talk when people have psychedelic experiences yeah and people as well also arguably in lucid dreams as well people talk about how they actually interact with parallel universes so like there may be some sort of a, um, a time wheel of knowledge will It'll be spinning in front of your face. So, like, someone has a psychedelic, and all your your life will flash before you, like in a minute, millisecond, like in a cara cara. What do you call it? Cara wheel. Caras, caras Carousel. Caras wheel. Is that caras wheel? How know. do you pronounce it? You know the wheels that go around dead fast. You've seen them before. I'm sure, it's like a caras wheel. Anyway, I don't know, brother. something that goes around dead fast and flashes around like in a circle, like on a pinpoint, mm-hmm. and it flashes everything dead fast your whole life in say like thirty seconds. You'll you'll see your whole life in thirty seconds. Whoa. So people make the argument like Evan Lozano believes that maybe there's a somewhere that houses all that or stores it wherever stores it or whatever and maybe that's what we people have the capability to tap into that and learn from it and that's what when people have lucid dreams and we're tapping into these alternative realities maybe that's what deja vu is deja vu is actually sort of tapping into what it, that information wherever it's housed whether it's already housed in our DNA it's housed in our mind 
or whatever. But here's something as well. Let's I think it's a beautiful point. By let's way. go a bit deeper as well, because like, let's just throw some things out there. Let's go deep on observing our thoughts. What about this, right? So, in the book um, by Jeremiah Narbury, uh, the Cosmic Serpent, right? He talks about how our DNA is. This is not even going to bring in the conversation of consciousness or the mind, because like God knows what, what I can store. Yeah. But the conversation of DNA. So, Jeremiah Narbury says that DNA is the most. He talks. He makes a statement in that book talking about how DNA is the most sophisticated storage device on the planet right now. Yeah. So there's also scientists now working on the fact that they understand that they can store information in DNA. And I'm not sure, I'm sure someone said, or I can't remember who, or read this somewhere, that they were talking about how they've already done this, where they can actually store, like, nano, and that by using nanotechnology or whatever it is, they can actually input information or in DNA. Well, So what happens if, so what happens, right, if, uh, if DNA is sort of some biotechnology that we don't understand. So we just think it's DNA flowing through our body, like flowing through our vessels, whatever it is. But what if DNA is actually some sort of sophisticated, like MP3, uh, like MP3... Um, Look, some MP3 file which file we can't access. That we, that we can't access. But what if the, what if when we do... What if there is all information all the time flowing through that? Then that actually changes the game, doesn't it? If we, if we get to the point where we can all understand that, that is just... That is the theory. That and, is when and we I know, next and I know, and I know that's out there. I want to add a bit more to that as well. Because just imagine, right? See if see if it is uh, some sort of biotechnology that, like, they know now it can. They know that they're doing experiments now where they know that like, they can put, they can house DNA, uh, house information in within DNA. Yeah. So what if, if we if if we figure out how we can access that or tap into it in the future, whatever technology comes down, like talking about how technology is going to be able to read dreams or read the psychedelic experience, whatever it is, we, we don't even know what's in the future. It's crazy. It's good mm. just talking about it anyway and putting it out there. And I'm no scientist, so I don't know, but I'm just like throwing things out there. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? But yeah. what if all of our... So you can we can actually tap into our evolution in that. So you can read it. like Just like we can read it... Um, like just say now, if if you have a mobile phone now, and you even if you have a mobile phone and you delete all that data, mm-hmm. there's there's certain people like who have the know-how of technology capability who can actually still access re-access what you've de- reaccess what you've deleted. So what if there's something cleverly in the in the DNA that gets sort of gets deleted, but it's still there, it's still there because it's just code, like within our body. So what if we can actually someone can, in the future can actually ac- access that data from the DNA and it also links to um, like your your past your like your past ancestors who've died whoa M- imagine imagine that and maybe maybe right this is, here's no, this is another interesting conversation we've never had in this podcast what if that's what de- deja vu is so we're thinking that deja vu is linking to parallel universes mm-hmm. which I love to believe <laughs> yeah what, a, right? what an amazing what concept if, what if DNA what if, what if uh, deja vu is actually not linking to parallel universes it's actually linking to the Akashic Records. Not even the Akashic Records. Maybe whatever's it's linked into something in our DNA that's stored in our DNA, information that's stored already within our DNA. Well, you can understand that on an evolutionary trait, how that actually, we actually remember our safety mechanisms. Like if we've fallen down, at, um, if we've fallen off a tree, our hand automatically grasps like a monkey's so we can try and grab onto the branch. Maybe that's the same type of concept that's actually going through in our DNA where it's preparing us for this survival. So we're actually learning from our past ancestors and probably maybe on a context, our future ancestors that were actually ingraining this, like, this know-how. I mean, like, 
if we're fallen, why do we grab? Why do we grab? It's because it's evolutionary trait inside of us, and it's it's what's being pulled on. That's maybe exactly what you're talking about. It's and, being pulled on. I, I keep asking the question as well. Do you know when when you um, when our parents, obviously when your parents have a child and things like that. Yeah. And they talk about how information's passed down. Like I'm asking the question: How is that information passed down? How is because it, it's 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 evident to say that you know when you have when you have certain traits as, as your parents and things like that and, and things are embedded in your psyche. I know you, you're yeah. brought up brought up through it, and obviously if you're in an environment, things in your environment affect you. But I'm actually asking the question: Is is something seeded deeper within us? Like like is something being transcended down by DNA to sort of to sort of make you be similar to the thing that created you? I mean, if I had that, deep, if I it? had the no- answer to that knowledge, <laughs> I, 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 I probably wouldn't be working where I'm working. <laughs> but, <laughs> but truthfully, brother, brother, I think that's powerful insight, and it actually just gives you an actually understanding of where. It's oh, a sci-fi shit, isn't it? Hell yeah, man! And that's, that's, that's actually the best thing about it. We can actually dive into these sci-fi realms and, and just and just actually go whether like where our minds want to take us, and our minds have took us into some really like. Wow, powerful, actually incredible things that a lot of people can actually struggle to get. Their you, know, you know what? I love right. I love that I'm not. A, I love that I'm. I'm not like a scientist or or someone who has to who who believes that I have to have to actually say something without any substance behind it. <laughs> know, do you, so you're a philosopher. Do you, do you ever think about that though? Do you love that you have the you can have the ability just to be free and just just yeah. be free and just explore your imagination? I think there's something beautiful in in just being free in the imagination, but then I think there's something beautiful in the um, the scientist yeah, in their well, search for truth I as well. well. I think I think it's something beautiful in everyone, and this is sounds very voodoo, but I think the philosopher in us is always facing the scientist in us. So we're always wanting that scientific proof, the evident evidential like understanding of truth, but we're also looking at the beautiful art, the creative imagination of the philosopher inside of us. So we've all constantly got these little battles of like here's, here's uh, integrating que- the two of them. Here's a question, right? This is a big question. What do you think's more important inside of us? The philosopher or the scientist? <laughs> oh, That's a tricky one, isn't it? That is a tricky one. <laughs> Because I've needed both for, throughout all my life, to be honest. I needed I needed science for the truth in understanding about how my body reacts to certain different foods and stuff like that. And, and that's given me the knowledge which I've called upon to actually say no to those foods and actually become better for it. But I've also needed the beauty of the philosopher side to actually do this podcast and to give you answers out of the box, to, to give all the guests amazing questions. We've used all these different sides. I can't, honestly, I can't see it. It's like saying which hand's your better hand. It isn't it. It's like one can't exist without the other, can it? Yeah, it can't exist, brother. That's what's beautiful about I, it. I love that. Here's something else as well, which ties into what we've been talking about in terms of sci-fi. <laughs> this is something I'm actually thinking about in terms of ob- something I've been observing. My thoughts lately is yeah, I like the new Star Trek. By the way, I haven't seen it yet. I really want to watch it. It's really good. It's really good. By the way, but um, I, I'm actually from that as well because I've been watching the new Star Trek, right? Something, some, so something I'm asking myself actually, I'm asking are movies and TV programs as well becoming more intelligent in sort of exploring mystical phenomenon because we are as a people becoming more intelligent or is there another reasons behind it? No, I don't think they are. You know why? I think you're getting more intelligent and you're get actually, from what you've actually exposed yourself to, I think you're seeing things in the inside these um, new different types of films and TV shows that that you weren't exploring before. I mean, like, if you look back at history, the Twilight Zone, 
absolutely incredible and I could watch episodes of Twilight Zone now and I can go into deep thoughts in my mind about constructs of reality, different universes. I don't think television itself is actually dumbed down. Maybe in a sense it has certain programs, but I think your intelligence has just been increased to a point where you actually see so much. And I think films as well, though, like like the film, like take for example, What Happened to Monday. I mean, that film is a really good thought provoker on a different type of construct of reality. I mean, are we getting to the point now from what we're seeing through the development of future technology that's been transcended into film, so it's given us all these beautiful possibilities, just like maybe Star Wars was back in the um, 1970s. And we're actually becoming to the point now where we're getting smarter, we can actually create these movies and it makes us think on this level. That's what my guess is. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. And I, But I also think as well, because I've, I've tried to analyse this and it, it's hard one to analyse, but I think as well though, because if you look at around, I heard a stat somewhere and it was talking about how some of the most... Um, so like people look around the world now and they see a lot of um, like a lot of people tuning into nonsense on TV. You know what I mean? Whatever yeah, you find yeah. is nonsense. Whatever, your nonsense, whatever. Yeah. But like the elections and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, whatever. But a lot of people talk about if you look around like sort of TV programs and the most film and films that are getting the most like downloads and watched. There's a quite a big bulk of that that's actual. More people are now being want something more intelligent. They want something that's going to sort of stretch the mind. So like some of the main main. TV biggest TV programs at the minute are are like Westworld. It's not the biggest. There's a lot of there's a lot of others around that, but like Westworld and um, the other one is as well Stranger Things. Mm. And um, a lot of people now as well Rick and Morty. They've got a, they've got a big one. But, it is amazing. But Nothing makes Rick and Morty like. So it seems to me though that the people's the, the public public consciousness, people's consciousness, human consciousness, whatever you want to call it, is actually craving bigger bigger sort of things to think about. Like people aren't just satisfied with watching something now and just being watching the good guy versus bad guy scenarios. Exactly, all the time. people people want something more. People want something more that actually makes them think. Maybe makes them create spark spark some more imagination in their mind. That's, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Just like films like The Martian and stuff like that. Maybe that wouldn't have been like as mainstream back then if that was in comparison to like other films back in the genre back in um, see. <sighs> Say like, um, give an example of um, a 1960s or 1970s action film. Would like a film like The Martian, if you could, uh, was it The Martian with uh, Matt Damon where he gets put on Mars and he's got to yeah, survive yeah, yeah. on Mars? If you put that in the 1960s and 1970s, would that movie thrive back then? Would it still have the same thought process as it does now? Maybe not because right now in our time, we have been actually talking about like Elon Musk going to Mars, setting up a civilization with Mars One there, and right now that film The Martian is actually merely a construct of how we can actually perceive the future whereas maybe back then it could have just been seen as a sci-fi film and just like written off it's interesting because I know I like that but it makes me think of something as well to um, sort of add to that what happened um, in the future uh, if you think about this so you know Star Trek so Star Trek in in the old Star Treks uh, they used to have they used to walk around with iPads like oh, did little they? iPads that had Whoa. iPads and like sort of iPhones like is that was their sort of communicators and they used to press that and they used to be transcended like they would transcend their sort of whatever their uh, bodies through the pixelated pixel through the universe to go to another planet or jump on another ship whatever they use like, but they used to, 
through Skype, yeah, but they used to use devices. And at that time, that was like, whoa, whoa, look at them they're walking around with like these sort of these iPads, yeah, earpieces. But it's only it's only been how many years was was Star Trek? I don't even, I'm not too sure. But Star Trek was out before we were born, like oh, it's yeah. the first start of the series. But let's say, even if it's been, I don't know, what has it been, 30, 30 odd, 30 odd years maybe, like since Star Trek was out, but only yeah. for 30 years. And we've got all the iPads now. How long, how long have our iPads now for? Six, seven years? I'd say it's longer than that, maybe ten. So that's what I'm saying. So maybe it was only a 20-year period, if that, from from people like realities thinking, oh, we'll never be able to do that. That's in the future. That's like, that's in the distant future. That's like 2,000 years from now. That's when we're all driving around in uh, flying cars. But people actually got iPads now and we're all walking around and, we're all walking around with our heads in our phones with these bright shining lights all walking around. Transmitting ourselves to these different places through our thoughts. Do you here's something. Do you think that do you think that technology is actually moving too quick? So so you know like, I wanted to bring this up before come, actually. So coming from an evolutionary standpoint, we we're like um whatever you whatever people believe, whatever we believe from that. But people coming from an evolutionary standpoint, say that we used to come from the hunter gatherer mm-hmm. and then now we have like these, we're walking around with these devices that can communicate across the across the globe. Do you think we're, that's moving too fast, or do you think? It, well, in comparison, well, the human we've definitely re- adapted to it really good, though. Oh yeah, we have. <laughs> but, but then again, I think human brains can adapt. A human can adapt to any scenario. I mean, just look at what the ever placed a human in. We have thrived. You know what I mean? We've become the most dominant species in the world. We are actually survival mechanisms. So you give us anything like a toy, like a, um, an iPhone, and it's nothing really. We learn to adapt to stuff like that. Especially when we is, we've created it. it's our construct, and uh, we we'll think we have. Well, we think you have. Who knows? <laughs> who who planted that in someone's mind? You know what I mean? Where'd that come from? Where that? Where the original thought of the iPad come from? Exactly. What Akashic records did that come from? So, uh, oh well. In comparison, I think the technology evolution is vastly surpassing human evolution. I mean, to the point of like how fast technology's grown. From nearly just like a microchip all the way up to the the iMac now, what we actually see in front of us, we've seen like the development of the internet, Skype, connections, all this vastness of knowledge has just been like completely thrown out. We haven't got to that point yet where we know everything in the universe in mankind, but what the internet gives us is a potential, potential of human machine merger where we can actually put like our thoughts into a computer and they could stay there. We've already been doing that. We're already putting our thoughts into a computer to see on Facebook and they're just there for the world to see. How long is it before Facebook is actually put into us? In the future, do you think, do you think technology is going to be our downfall or, or is it going to be actually, is it going to propel us to that next level? I think it's going to propel us to that next level, brother. And I think that's what we need to do is actually looking at people like Elon Musk is like a visionary for the, this time of year this time of year this time of of history and as soon as we can actually get to the point where we can all get on the construct of like understand a person like Elon Musk and we can get get to the point where he's actually a, a visionary for the future we need more visionaries for the future than we need people who are actually dismissive of ideas we need people who are actually pushing forth this new generation we need people talking about like, what's the next le- level of AI going to look like? Are we going to... Is everything going to be like ex machina in the future? We need people to actually talk about these subjects. And this is what's beautiful about movies. Is it gives us, like, the talking point about what, like, stuff like the ex machina, the Martian, alien, on 
these are the films which actually make us think about the future. And we ourselves don't need to be dismissive of it. We need to embrace it. We need to ask these questions. Yeah, we definitely need to ask the questions. I think as well, though. I think it's. I think it's going to be. There needs. There's going to be a. We're going to get to a point in time where there's going to be a tipping point of balance. Are you frightened of the future? Um, I wouldn't say I'm frightened of the future. I'm. Ex- I would say I'm more excited mm-hmm. about the future. That's what I would say. I'm more excited. Are anxious? Uh, no, not really. I wouldn't say I'm anxious. I would say I'm excited. It's cool. That's <laughs> cool. <laughs> Thanks um, for that. I'm a bit. Bo- I'm a bit like. Uh, I'm a bit, that's a good question, actually, isn't it? Like, um, I, what's your feelings towards the future? I mean, you I'm get the idiots that maybe might try to blow up the fucking planet, but then you've also got the the ingrained geniuses like Dan Harrison and Chris Hopper, who's actually <laughs> <laughs> who's pushing forth this like incredible talking like, about DNA. And yeah. Shit. Yeah, talking about some random nonsense. <laughs> but, like, no. What we're talking about right now, Dan, is is there is a vision for the future and there is people working on this vision of the future. And it's beautiful to see that that could be a, an absolute potential of, like, human and man, machine, working together. I think, I like that. I think there is, I think there is a, there is a balanced conversation that needs to be talked about, though, with technology because I don't think, I don't think we should just, like, bluntly move into the, moving in the one direction, just being all about technology, saying that we need to, Proven, proven technology. I think we also need to work on the sort of the natural element of who we are as yeah. people, the more organic side of things. Because I mean, in, let's say in the future all goes one goes one way, and, we, and the the world completely just adapts into sort of this technological sort of future, futuristic world. And you come yeah, become reliant on on technology, and we lose touch with the natural world. Yeah, I mean, like how how long is it going to be if we're completely, totally ingrained with technology? How long is it going to be before we start thinking, well, these human legs, we don't need them no more? And, and why, co- why do I need to do a squat when I've got metal legs now? Exactly, and is also that- as well, like biologically, like biologically on our health, like how what's that period going to look like? So, see if we, like you just said there, you don't you don't need to sort of you don't need to touch it. So here's something. So instead of going out instead of going outside and putting your bare feet on the ground mm-hmm. and walking with your toes and feeling that. Like actually feeling your toes on the ground on the mud and stuff like that, but now you can, instead of doing that, you can actually just go on a VR machine and you can just pretend that you're touching grass and you. But you're actually just in a you're in like an you're in a house on a concrete floor, or whatever it is, and you're touching your feet. How much is that going to actually be biologically going to sort of deteriorate our health? It's interesting. I think it might. It, yeah, it completely. But I think as well though, on the other side as well, just to jump in, I think also technology as well could also balance that out because technology could expose the fact how important it is to actually really walk on the natural earth. Yeah, you, that is that's the point that I was going to actually reference, Dan. To be honest, um, when you're actually looking at the um, of these virtual uh, machines, say we're actually we can actually go into this like virtual pod, right? And it actually like all these gl- it becomes like we just walk in. And it takes us into like a field, a meadow, and we can actually touch and like smell it. Really, like we can even like destroy it if we want, like crumble it. What's to say that's not real? If if it's touching all five senses at once, what's to say that's not real? And maybe exactly, maybe maybe you're completely right. And maybe as well that'll also that could teach us that maybe this one, this this reality is also not real. Not is absolutely philosophers powerhouse. Philosophers have talked about that for years. How the world that we're seeing now is already just a mental construct, a constraint in our mind that we're just creating a holographic, holographic of, of everything that we see. Like people talk about now, how we never see, we're never really seeing the real color of the how the world looks. Like so, when we look at we look at that tree out there now, 
that's not really how it looks. And then we, I want to have talked about this before as well, but even go deeper, how you also see that colour completely different to me. Well, if what's interesting is that if me and you go over to that tree and we touch it, me and you could get both completely different feelings from it. As well as what? Smell as well. Maybe, maybe the smell, the smell, it would smell different to you, it would smell different to me. Here's a question, right? That's something beautiful, that though, Dan. Like here's, how everyone's different, though. Here's a question. Could it, could it, could an AI in the future smell? Yeah, I think it, it would have senses. It could actually could have. I think create senses. I think it will senses, couldn't it? Yeah, I think it will have it. to distinguish between different sorts of senses. So it'll have to understand every single sense, and that's the only way it can actually really become human. Is is that the only way it can become human though? If it if it en- if it invokes all senses, I don't know. Here's here's a question, all right. Maybe. Here's a question: What will be what will be what will be the ultimate test for what? a robot to know it's human? Do you know it's human? That's what I'm just about to ask you. Ah, I, I want to ask I, you. I don't first. I don't know. But what I'm asking actually myself is. I think I'm, I'm when it actually starts. This is I don't know. I've got, I don't I've know. got a good answer. I'm gonna see it. I'm gonna actually see right when the AI actually starts asking questions about itself. That's that's a really good. That's what that's I think. A really good point. I've I've got a different answer. I think the AI will eventually become like human when it starts making mistakes. Oh, I like that. That's interesting. So what 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 what, mis- what mistake do you think it'll make first? Kill all the humans. <laughs> Maybe I should not have done that. <laughs> Bugger. <laughs> mm, it's like I don't know. If it does start and like the mistakes I was thinking of would be like calculated errors where it actually like can't figure out one solution based on its own like actual Here, algorithms. Here's something, right? It's funny you saying that. So I've, have you you know you know like uh, Alexa and uh, Siri on your phone and stuff? Mm. I've played with this. I've I've asked I've actually tried to ask a question. So if you say some, something along the lines of um, who like some sort of novelty question that that that's inputted in the in the in the website, it's like a more of a straightforward answer. Mm. Some sort of fi- fact about what's the capital of this country, and like Alexa will turn around and go, "The capital of this is whatever." I actually asked it a question. Right, I said, I said, I went Alexa. I went, are you thinking? Are you calculating? And it was like, I can't answer that. <laughs> or something like that, you know what I mean? I, think I, admit, I, like, I, I like don't when, think I have the ability to answer that. I like when someone has asked the question, um, Alexa, do you work for the CIA? And it turns itself off. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's cool, that one. That is brilliant. So is, is there any is there any, um, what, is there there any any films lately that you think that? Been sort of or pro- or program. Yeah, I know you're watching Rick and Morty, but whatever. Pro- are you watching any? I, I love Rick and Morty. Any other films you that you watch? You watch later. That's really made you sort of think. Whoa. Um. Gerald's game was really actually thought provoking on the context of like of a woman losing her mind when she actually gets trapped in that. Um. So I'll get. I'll. I'll see what the film's about. Like, um, a woman gets handcuffed to the bed for her husband's like sexual fantasies and he ends up having a heart attack from taking Viagra you said this you talk, said this last time didn't did you? I say this bottom, on this podcast bottom, oh was it on the, uh, the, down the rabbit hole I can't remember about the multiple multiple pers- yeah. personalities she gained like multiple personalities and and it was showing you how she had to survive by using these personalities and it was a really powerful thought um, and that's a good 
that's something I played with a lot of actually going into these different personalities in my own mind and using them for my betterment. So like if I'm like struggling to get out of bed at six o'clock in the morning and it says and I've got like a personality like standing there in front of us and I can actually imagine him standing there and going, Chris, I want you to get out of bed right now because there's so much on your goals list I've actually seen and you can do this only if you get out of bed though. And then I can see the other person inside of us going, you know what, Chris, you just might as well stay in here for another 20 minutes. Don't worry about it. I don't know why he's like that. I don't know why he speaks Italian. <laughs> but it just made us think about hey, Mario. playing with the different levels of personalities in my mind and using them for my betterment. Because there is like the pull and pull, uh, sorry, the push and pull of like who I am. And I've got to use those personalities. So that's how I was using that film. But to keep what we're seeing, a film that... Um, that's bit I was watching recently was the Terminator, and it's ironic how we've just been talking about like machines. New, integrating new one. No, the first one. First one. I've seen the new one as well. I ask. I, I enjoyed seen the that. But well, it was the first Terminator actually, and um, and I like that whole concept of of a machine sent back through time to kill kill like um, the savior of the human race. I like that whole concept. It's interesting you said that. So obviously sent back to save the human race. I was actually I've been watching it. Uh, I've I've stopped watching it now because I just didn't. I, when you sometimes you start watching something, you just I wasn't really into it. It wasn't really, just didn't really feel it. I watched three episodes of it anyway. But what was interesting is someone who listens to the podcast, um, actually recommended it, and it's called Travelers. Have you heard of that? No, I actually it. haven't. It's about Travelers, but that's basically about how, uh, certain people of like conscious warriors, sort of say, have been sent back in time, to imp- influence the planet. So what happens is they like body snatch. So when someone's they have like this, they have this device in the future that the no one's going. It's when someone's going to die. So they know, they know exactly when the, sec, the exact second when someone's going to die, and they have a device that transfers their consciousness from another planet into the, the body. But what they've got to do is they've also they can't just the characters in it you can't just um, automatically sort of be their own, be there, be who they are. They've got to also take on the character of who they've just took over their lives. So they've got a, oh. they've got a family, they've got a kids. They've got to take on their characters and continue playing who who they are as people. Well, that is interesting. That. It sounds really interesting, doesn't it? it I, I don't even like... know why I've stopped watching it, but I just it just didn't feel it after a few episodes. I just didn't. I didn't get that. Yeah, pull. maybe the distant, maybe the writers didn't have enough like pull factor towards you. But mainly, ask the thing of the question: like, would you actually not look at the date of your death if you could? Oof. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't actually. Nah, wouldn't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Either, brother. But I here, would. here's another question, right? If you had, if you had the ability to have a device in the future, say if we are a future civilization, and that's what we've chose to do here, we've chose to be sort of like conscious warriors, and we've chose to sort of or whatever, or just not even warriors, just to play the game. Would you? Do you think you're somebody who would actually choose to sort of put yourself in a situation to sort of affect a world or affect a, a reality in a, in a more positive direction? If you could sort of body snatch someone, like would you do? Do you think you could do it? Yeah. And secondly, second question, because this would be random. Uh, what random character do you think you would get put into? <laughs> Probably someone <laughs> like, Middle Eastern peasant girl or something like that, and I'm going like, ah, oh, I've got to change the world from here. Level twenty in the game. Come on. <laughs> imagine, imagine if you um, that happened and you actually like in a prison. Oh yeah, <laughs> and you'd be like, "How am I gonna like solve the? How am I gonna solve the <laughs> solve the uh, the Earth's problems from here?" <laughs> then all, then all I do is pass under a book, <laughs> and there it is. Boom. 
how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. Boom, <laughs> Chris Hopper's back and forth. You'd be knackered though if you were in a jail, if you were in a jail somewhere though in a different country. So I'd be knackered in any jail in any country, man. <laughs> so um, what what other what other thoughts have you been playing with? Is there anything in your mind? Um, yeah, uh, there's been loads of thoughts about whether I should actually, um, it's basically about uh, Facebook, really. I'm starting to, like, take off a lot of these, like, like negative, like, programmings in Facebook. Because even, like, some of the positive ones which I've been looking at, trying to uplift your um, emotional understanding, they're actually negative. And when you're actually looking at them, they're really, like, some of the groups are like degrading you. Is it like is it the human experience by integrating like negative energies into it? And so maybe I'm think maybe I'm overthinking this, but I'm thinking like maybe social media itself is downgrading me as a person, and maybe I should just like unfollow them. Maybe I'm just overthinking and I should just unfollow them. Anyway. What what, I, what I'm thinking is from that is I think if you think so, if you're going through scrolling through your feed. I know obviously it's a lot harder now because obviously certain social media pages now are actually doing like sort of they'll they'll like spam you with like a paid advertisement by a big company like even even if you even if you don't want to see Coca Cola Coca Cola can still reach you now on Facebook because Facebook is actually still allowing like big companies that to advertise in your face even though you, you directly can cipher out what you don't what you don't want to see yeah but I think around that I think I don't think I think we're living in a world now where you're never gonna we're, I don't think we're ever gonna completely get away from the fact that. We're getting sort of influenced in some way, mm-hmm. but to 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 deteriorate that, to deteriorate that and get away from that, I think you need to like create your Facebook, build your Facebook, just like you would build a, um, just just like you would put you'd put food food in your fridge. Like if you want to eat healthy, you don't put bad food in your fridge. You don't like tempt yourself by putting bad food in your fridge. So you just put complete all healthy food in your fridge. Yeah, good point. So what you need to do with social media is is filter out to that as much as you can filter out the the negativity like feed your Facebook with positive groups Fe- feed yeah. your Facebook with like friends you like, you don't want a friend it's just, you don't it's, want a friend just, who's I'm like just, always being negative and, yeah I'm just thinking like, like um, even, even these positive groups just trying to put like a positive spin on negative stories and I don't know if it's possible to be honest because the whole outcome of it is the negative energy if you know what I mean it's hard to explain it with fair, but I still don't know what you um, mean. Like, when I'm scrolling through groups, and it's just... They, they, they sound positive groups. They sound... Maybe they're talking about, like, zen and, like, um, understanding of the universe and stuff like that. And, and when you go into them, like, it's... They could be, like, planet destroys. Um, two planets collide. Could, like, rip up the universe and stuff like that. And it's like, jeez, man. Like, is this, like... Is it negative or is it positive? Or is it just knowledge that I meant to just take in? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you just need to get off Facebook altogether. <laughs> yeah, I have thought about that, man. I have thought about loads of different things. But that's a thought. That's that's a thought that keeps recurring. I think it recurs in everybody's mind. Is is social media for the betterment of me, or is it for the like, or not? I mean, like one in four teenage girls are now depressed. One in ten teenage boys are depressed. Twitter um, found that five million. Sorry, they had fa- Twitter recorded five million tweets about women saying bad things about themselves. I mean, that just shows you like, like the negative impact on what social media can play with identity. To I, me, I actually think though as well though it's not just 
I think maybe social media with technology is just highlighting this, highlighting that fact. I think that that fact always is always being going on in society. Like people are always speak negatively about themselves. Like it just, I think it's just maybe it's just social media is just highlighting that fact. Like Twitter's got like an algorithm that can actually measure that now. Like measure the, how many people, how many times people, will uh, write a comment. But it's interesting to me though how maybe it's just coming more vi- more visible now because people are more laid back on social media. So someone will will express the thoughts. Just like the think, but they'll not yeah. they'll not express them thoughts in person. So in the past, without social media, someone would like someone would say to you like, "Oh, today I've just done this." Like, be negative. You know what I mean? Like, say, "I've oh, I'm, I'm feeling fat today." But pe- there's this weird, there's this weird thing that's happening in society now where people's being like really honest on social media because like people can hide behind something. Like people are easy. I'll like go on a video and they'll I like, hear something. On um, a lot of our on our down down the rabbit hole shows on YouTube, tube, a lot of people will say something, but they wouldn't say that in front of your face. I know they wouldn't. Like people wouldn't wouldn't bring that wouldn't wouldn't say something or Why bring a certain that? topic up because Hide. they can hide behind something because it's it's this weird. We're in this like we were talking about before. We're in this weird time and world now in the in the world now where it's so, like technology's come along in the last like t- 10 15 years like social media some complete something different to whatever we've seen before and would maybe would maybe maybe it's moving too fast and we don't know how to deal with it and maybe people uh, it's and it's and it's it's taking away that in, interaction but in the other sense it's making people become more honest and real because people can hide behind something and people can't express their emotions more i think is that a good thing that people can actually express the emotions more maybe Maybe they felt like in society they've been held back for all these years, and now they can finally express. I mean, I mean, but maybe it's just to be honest. A lot of it's negative, though. Exactly. Maybe, but maybe that's just it's, like suppressed I know, anger. I know, but maybe exactly, but maybe that's just it's always been there. So we have we have in everyone our human beings have it in in a dialogue. Mm-hmm. Like I know me as a person now, I have it in a dialogue. That's all the time. So I have inner conversations. But it seems to me that when people can hide behind something, people can actually put that in a dialogue out on the internet for other people to sort of see more. It's weird. It's a weird transition that's happening, because normally that inner dialogue in your mind stays in there all the time. But with the internet, it's allowing something. It's allowing something to be like exposed of what the root cause is. But then, it, what the, what I think the root cause is actually getting at is is that yeah. fundamentally for me, what I think is that the root cause isn't people just hate themselves. People hate society. Wow, that's what I think. That's what I think. It's it's, deep, that, it's, it's going deeper. It's like to the root cause of society. I think. I think we're actually afraid to address like, that. Like people lot. are sick. People are sick of doing the of, of the same crap all the time. I love that, brother. That's what I think. You, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I completely agree. I think, I think, I think a lot of people get lost in the mundane of their lives and and like and they can't really find like they can't really find purpose in like doing the garden every day. If you know what I mean. Yeah. You can only find purpose when you're doing like like. A passion, a, a betterment for like society, the world. And as soon as you start giving this passion and, and betterment for society, then you know what happens. Then you start getting energy. You start becoming more alive. You start be- becoming a more of a human being. You start getting connected with the world and the people around you. And that's what that's what we're all pushing for. Here's what here's what I think as well. But this 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 is observing my thought as well. This is a real observing my thought because I'm in the same situation as well, where you we're going to work. And we're playing these. We're playing these characters. Like this is something I observe all the time. And in, in, not everyone, not like ninety point, like it's only like one percent of the world that the rich people who can get away from this fact. But ninety point nine percent of the people 
on the planet just like me and you there's this stigma in the mind that we can't get away from because the money money makes the world go round. You need like the way the the way society is. Like you said this to me a while ago. You said society's been manufactured over thousands and thousands of years. It's like being ingrained, and it's hard to just yeah. overnight just comp- just like turn that upside down because it's it's completely ingrained in our in the consciousness mm-hmm. and everything everything that we do is 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 reliant on money. And I don't think we can. Uh, and I think that's what people understand. People understand that these rules that were, that were being taught taught that we have to play and the way that we've been grown up like when we're born you're born in the world and the world's telling you that it's like laid out for you already you need to be like a you need to work in a yeah you need to work in this job you need to do this to make money but people yeah. people know like i know like you know that it doesn't feel right you know when you wake up in the morning doesn't, you're not you're not waking up with like vigor and energy and enthusiasm for that thing that you're doing all the time because like, it doesn't, it doesn't serve your purpose. It doesn't serve you. Exactly, and the whole key is serving your purpose. And that, that's what, and that, that's what I think people are, are deep down are realizing. Like people are waking up to the fact that what the fuck are we doing? Why are we all doing this every single day? Like because I think for so long people weren't questioning that. Like people aren't mm. questioning it. People are just there's still people doing questioning were, now, but, but there's more wasn't. people questioning it now. More people yeah. are, are more people are driving to work in the morning. Like I do this in the, I do this in the morning when I drive to work as well. And um, obviously, I'm still, I'm still in this as well. You're still in it. Loads of people are still in it. But I'm driving to work in the morning, and I'm just like, I have me, I have like inspirational music on my headphones, and I'm just like thinking, like, what the fuck are we all doing? I keep seeing it all my time, but I still can't like sort of, like, just completely snap out of it myself. It's like contradicting myself as within within that moment as well. But I'm just driving down. And I'm saying, what the fuck are we doing? What the fuck are we doing? And that's what I think. I think more people are driving down to work in the morning. Or whatever it is, sighting the work, walking the work, on the bus to work, on the commuting, and people are just are questioning a bit more and a bit more and a bit more, and it unreals the next layer, next layer, and you're just like, what we're doing, what we're doing, what we're doing, what am I doing, what am I doing? Yeah, man, definitely. And if you ask that question to yourself enough, I think that it's it it forces it forces new things to new things in your life to analyze other areas of of your life, and one as well to tie into one of my observing thoughts as well, which it makes me analyze is. Um, materialism and that's one mm. big thing in my life uh, at the minute a huge thing is I'm actually trying to analyse my like sort of life from a minimalist like perspective I can never see that word yeah yeah I understand where you come from but, right? like, like the sort of idea. trying to strip away the of trying to strip away of the conditioning that we've been told like what happiness is so like we get told that happiness is is having an object like this object will you work all these long hours and this object will give you happiness definitely man but where's the object you know what I mean like what's the object new car a new belt Pfft, come on man like the real the new object that you should be pursuing is the object which you have already have like meditation just sit there stand still analyze your breath for 10 minutes and, uh, and look at the real change because uh, uh, honestly a brand new car could actually really be awesome you could actually feel incredible for about like a minute, twenty minutes, two hours, two days, two months. But meditation, man. If you calm that mind down and you just repeat that ten minute process, that'll give you so much joy and satisfaction than any car ever will. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. It's interesting to me how because I've been thinking about this and I'm I'm really lately I've there's been this like mechanism in my mind where I've been really afraid of like heaviness. 
Mm. I'm really afraid of heaviness. So I'm, like I've said, like I've been trying to do this minimalistic like uh, approach to life where I've been trying to strip away all the things I want. And what I've been doing is, is I did this, um, it was about two weeks ago, I think it was. It went through, this is how I started. But I, even though it's, this has been ingrained in my, in my sort of being for a while now, it's not only, like, so this minimalistic uh, approach for me, it's not only just the sense of, like, this has been a big unfolding. It's not just a sense of, so when people talk about minimalism, like, there's a documentary on Netflix which is brilliant. And mm. it, it, it mostly explores, 90% of it explores the, the, the sort of the, you actually physically getting rid of your objects. But for me, it's not just physically, it's like psychologically getting rid of, of stuff. Like so you said before, we were talking, start before in the middle of this conversation where you're talking about Facebook. Mm-hmm. And you asked said about how like psychologically, data-wise, you can get rid of, strip down your Facebook and be minimalistic in your mind. Because people forget this in terms of minimalism as well. Mm-hmm. Like people just think it's objects, but like I've said this to you before, but you have all them tabs on your laptop up all the time and you have all the, you have like, like, messages on your Facebook that you haven't answered that year and it, but then when you, when you know you haven't answered their messages that's in the back of your mind like you know it's a task that you know you need to go to and sort of do yeah and that sticks there like that's, that sticks right in your mind and how much how much sort of like um, mental capacity does that take up because you somewhere in your mind you know you've got an email that you've got to go to and do or you've got a message that you need to sort of or a task some sort of digital task so it's not but then then it's not even only just that this sort of like where you put your attention in terms of minimalistic lifestyle. So you put your attention on like certain things that are crap, like you said before about like the emphasis in your mind that you know you need to cut the cut the garden. Like today on this certain day, I need to cut the garden, but you don't. Like you know what I mean? You can have your, your mental capacity on something much better than that. And so that's what the, like the minimalist lifestyle like leads into all that. Mm. But to go I back like as well, because I'm on a tangent there. But anyway, to go back on um, something else that I did the other day is I went through all my, I went on my wardrobe, my clothes. And uh, I had like two sort of conditions, and this is from the sort of the uh, the, the Netflix documentary that I watched as well. But it says, um, so you get an object, so you get, see, I have a, sh- a shirt or a pair of jeans or whatever it is, and I pick it up in my hands, and I see, um, first question I see, does this add value in my life? So that's the first question I ask, and then uh, the second question I asked myself was, when was the last time I used it? And so after you've asked yourself that question, so if you haven't like used that object for like, if you haven't wore that object for say. Six La- months. Last, last two weeks. Oh. Not six months, last two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I was even trying to go shorter as well. But it's like, like, like I said, that's a mental construct as well. And I was like, two weeks. And then does, and then I was asking the question, does this add value in my life? And you'll find that when you go through loads of your objects, not only just um, mental objects, um, not only just physical objects, but your mental objects in your mind, you realise that it's like, you, 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 you don't need that. You don't need that thing. You don't need, you don't, we don't need as much as you think you need. Like when you start yeah. stripping yourself down at basics, you realise that you're already it. You're already the thing that you've always wanted. That's beautiful, huh, brother? Honestly, I, I've even started doing this right for training as well. So lately, for I've been um, so I've still got a lot of gym equipment, mm-hmm. but um, I've been going through it, and I've actually been trying to justify for a, a certain bit of equipment. And I've actually realised like a lot lately, my over the last um, probably about three four months. My trainer now is is completely nearly tailored, all body weight. It's so minimalistic, and I've f- felt so so much benefit not only just in my mind, like mind capacity about about mm. it, but also sort of like me um me health wise. I felt that, and it seems to be that the more I'm stripping the basics and everything that I do in life, every nearly every single area, 
And I'm not saying like you need to. I'm not saying because I, lo- I love I love certain things. Maybe that's for some people. Maybe uh, maybe exa- exactly not ready for that. exactly. And I love um I love certain I love certain things. But I, at the minute in my life now, I've actually got I've got to justify myself for having the thing. Yeah, I'm going through a pro. I'm really feeling it now. Honestly, I've got a pull on my mind. I really feel it. Like it's a pull of like trying to just completely strip back every system that I, that I've got. But it, oh, but as but as well though, because this is a, a challenge that I've come up with as well. Is so, if you have a partner, so like I've got a girlfriend, and obviously my girlfriend, she, she's not a person who's minimalistic. Like she's, mm. she, but we, but I actually showed her the Netflix documentary. And then she wanted to apply that to not all areas of her life, but she just wanted to apply it to more the practical side of her life. So she oh. started going through her clothes and realizing so that's all her thinking. I should well. alter her thinking as well. But oh. even if I'm, what I've noticed is I'm, I'm, I'm like I would say that um, my evolution of my thinking is is more seeded in my mind. So I'm, so I'm like actually really trying to like sort of strip back all more I'm trying I'm seeing more pathways of like emotional baggage and yeah. sort of like physical baggage but she's not seeing that but you can what I've found you can still do that with someone because when you when you know in your head that 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 certain thing that she wants to keep not your thing like that's her choice that she, that's fine she can so she, she say if um, you perceive in a you perceive you perceive, the thing that she likes is the thing that you perceive is not good but that's fine because that's someone else who you're living with has actually overwritten that in your mind. Do you, does that make sense? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So if like she has an object that she values or your partner or your friend or whatever it is or even a family member, they value that object, but you don't. But that's fine because someone else values it. But when you understand that though, when, when you see that, you sort of understand that it takes away that emotional baggage from your mind away. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It, it's hard to explain, but it's going deep that. Beautiful point. It does. It really it takes, is it takes the way because you can see also see that someone else gets value from that thing, even though if you don't, someone else gets value no, from like, it. I didn't think like that. Like that's that's where I've been. That's where I've really been dissecting it and thinking about it. No, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna watch that actually. I'm gonna apply some of that, that principles to my life. Well, actually, we're we're gonna get them two guys on this podcast as well. I can't remember mm-hmm. what the call now, but we're gonna get them on, and um, we're gonna dive into that because I, I wanna I wanna really delve delve deep into that because it's like I said before. What I like about it, it's not only just like on a practical side of like getting rid of physical objects. Like I said before, it's actually about it's spiritually. It it ties. It really is spiritual. Cause like I said before, mm. it really does. It really does. Because here's something, right? It examines who your thoughts are. Doesn't if you it? if you think about life now on the planet, though, we actually. Um, so I've said this before. Alan Watts talks about we live in a sticky world. Yeah. So we have all these objects around us. Like you have the. Like we have all these objects all the time floating around us, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And but the universe, if you think about the universe now, the universe actually started from a um, so this well, theory, right? Theory, right? But anyway, I'm just using throw this theory. It, I'm just using it as a sort of a, a bridge to the to this example. Yeah. But just imagine. So people talk about how like sort of evolutionary, the, the universe started by sort of two grains of dust or two particles like rubbing together and then them particles formed bigger and then them particles formed something else and the, the earth formed and then it formed the moons around it and then everything's formed around it like st- getting bigger and bigger mm. but on this planet now if we, we you think about us as a human being we, we're also doing that so we sort of like accumulate loads of shit so to, to have a house when you have you have your house mm-hmm. you have all this like all this all these different things that you need so you need you have a tv you have, yeah, yeah. you have um, whatever it is. You have all these different objects, but then you need a house to store the TV. 
And then, but to have the TV, you need like a, electricity. A, you need electricity. You need electricity. Yeah, you need a plug. Then you need to buy a plug. <laughs> TV license. T- exactly. <laughs> so you have all these things, all these connections, just to house this one item. And yeah. and if you start look, if you start looking around your life, it's you realize that we're just we're just like sort of accumulating like lots of baggage in our lives, like to to create the foundation of a human being of who you are. Well, man. It, it's it's really tr- it is true. Have you have you never like analyzed that? I've never analyzed no, that no. in a construct, no. But like, um, I never actually looked in the idea of minimalism. Um, but no, I will I, man? I I really think it's like something I need to actually do and address in my own life. It's interesting because you said there you need you need to address it, right? But I've actually you have a, I think you have addressed it to a sense because we had, I remember we had a conversation right where you says um, you said that you stripped down your trainer. Oh yeah, so yeah. I stripped like, down. Like I said it's not just physic. It's not just like uh, physically. Like, when I moved out as well, I stripped a lot out as well, like of what I was taking and what I wasn't taking in my next life. I actually think right. So it's interesting. I think the whole journey of, mm-hmm. I think the whole journey of of like my what I recognise in my journey and I recognise a bit in yours as well. It is a transition leading to that. So you, so to a certain degree, you actually. So you you stripped out you're stripping out bad food. Yeah, I mean my diet's been amazing, really, really, really. Awesome. And you st- and you stripping out money. So you strip out you you you'll go through you'll go through the things that you don't need to waste money on your life. So that's what I've been doing as well. Yeah, I've been doing that. So you go through your you go through your um, things that your expenditures are through your life, and you realize driving need to be paying for this or trying to be doing this and mm. you can f- it's, it's like so you actually in a, in a sense people actually realise they're doing minimalism without even doing without even really realise they're doing minimalism and maybe that's the beautiful art of it to actually realise you're doing something without even actually really doing the th- think you're doing the thing wow that's really beautiful that man good isn't it yeah it really is a good point and, and, maybe, and maybe as well that's probably a good point to, point to wrap it up as well maybe try to get try to get get a point in your mind where you, you do things do things that are positive for you without even realise that you really put an emphasis and having to push yourself in their areas to do them. Well, I think a lot of people, yeah, you actually need to look at the idea of minimalism. Like, what is cluttering? Just not your mind. Sorry, just not what, not just your, your house and that, but what is cluttering your mind? And as soon as you start, like, degrading, like, degrading those layers, getting rid of them, it starts opening not just more space um, in, in your environment, but upstairs. Really does. Yeah, I love that as well. So clean out the upstairs in the mind. Clean out your upstairs, everyone. <laughs> Peace and love. Peace and love. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I really hope you enjoyed that episode about observing our thoughts. And next week on the podcast, we also have another incredible episode with Will Johnson, who is a Buddhist teacher. And this Friday, from the date of this recording, which is two days from now, me and Chris will be heading down to the Mind Body Spirit Festival in Birmingham. And if all goes ahead to plan, we will have some epic in-person podcasts for you all in the up and coming weeks. And it would also be so cool if you could support the podcast via our Patreon page. And Patreon really is the best way to support the podcast. And it allows you guys to basically crowdfund the podcast. And we've never bombarded you with stupid ads or products. So please just consider supporting the podcast you choose a certain amount each month that is possible for you. No matter what reward tier that you sign up for, we'll give you access to all the bonus content and rants on the 
Patreon page. And we also have a private Facebook group that you will also gain access to. And if you cannot become a Patreon member, that is absolutely cool. We honestly understand. We just appreciate that you are listening to this thing. So anyway, just as a little added bonus, to finish off this podcast, I wanted to add a song. It is called, I'll probably butcher this, but it's called Kiki Oka Kanana. And it's called Stand Strong by a guy called Paul Isaac. Enjoy. Mana I Mahalo for the party In a time when a culture could die If you take away the water Our precious bye-bye Oh mana I Mahalo for the party In a time when a people could cry Cause they're abusing the aina Aole malama So let's not feed Our hunger with greed It's time we plant the seed And remember true Hawaii Kanaka maoli Don't let it die Don't say that we didn't try To break on through the lies I look into the inside A cool guy die Like Opelu in the sea A school we must be Planting kalo to feed our family He's singing our songs To help each other along Kekio Kaina Where we can talk about sustainability But most of this land is leased to companies could care less about the people and the land they grow upon just becomes a chemical farm they're doing harm and what have these companies done for us anyway most of the food they grow just gets sent away to another place then they say it to our face if we didn't have them we'd starve in just a few days well our way we are here to make our stand today And I know there's a lot of people out there who feel the same way Don't let them trick you, they're out to deceive But everyone's entitled to what they believe So I be chanting mana I Mahalo for the pa'i In the time when we look through the lies Stared them in the eyes and told them that this truth wears no disguise. And like Opelu in the sea, a school we must be. Planting kalo to feed our family. Singing our song to help each other along. Keikyo Kaina, stand strong.